welcome to Tech Law Talks. I am Anthony Diana, a member of Reed Smith's Tech and Data Group. In each episode of this podcast, we will discuss cutting edge issues on technology, data, and the law. We will provide practical observations on a wide variety of technology and data topics to give you quick and actionable tips to address the issues you are dealing with every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Tech Law Talks. This is Cynthia Dunahu in the London office, and I'm here with my partner and colleague, Andy Splitgerber from our Munich office. We're going to talk to you today about everything that's happened lately in relation to data transfers in the GDPR. So I'm sure a lot of you have seen in the news that the European Commission has issued two sets of standard contractual clauses. Yes, they call the documents the same thing. One, however, is standard contractual clauses in relation to international transfers, and the other is standard contractual clauses for controllers to processors. The other thing that's happened is the European Data Protection Board has issued its final recommendations for supplementary measures. Took them nearly a year, but anyway, there you are. And then last but not least, the European Commission has found that the UK is considered an adequate jurisdiction for data transfers. But in that decision, there's a four-year sunset clause. So transfers to the UK to be reevaluated in four years' time. So Andy, do you want to quickly introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you very much for this summary. And hello, everyone. This is Andy Splitcover. I'm tech and data lawyer at Reed Smith in Munich in Germany. And we're also, of course, following all the developments on uh, international data transfers. And we're all celebrating together with the UK, the adequacy decision. And well, Cynthia, you mentioned the major big news, I would say, about the SCCs, the standard contractual clauses. So what's like summarized? What's the new thing about them? Well, the new thing is the modular approach. So the SCCs before for international transfers were two versions, controller to controller, controller to processor. This time we now have one agreement and it covers controller to processor transfers, controller to controller transfers, processor to controller transfers, and processor to processor transfers. So one agreement before different modules Within those modules, the really the new things are processor to controller transfers and processor to processor transfers. In addition to the modular approach, the new SECs include warranties that each of the parties will have conducted a data transfer assessment that comes out of the SHREMS 2 judgment from the European Court of Justice. And um, the new SECs include SHREMS 2 provisions. And obviously, the clincher is the timeline. So the SECs came into effect on the 27th of June for a short period of three months until the 27th of September. It's possible for organizations to use the new SECs or the old SECs, but the old SECs will disappear on the 27th of September of this year. And obviously, the other big news is that there is no other grandfather clause for the old SCCs. So all organizations will have to repaper their data transfers and get that done by the 27th of December of 2022. 
Andy, I, I talked a little bit about the new things. And one of the things that's mentioned in the, the international SECs is that the international SECs do not apply if controllers or processors are directly subject to the GDPR. What does that mean? Well, uh, no one really knows. <laughs> the SECs or the, the, the recitals in the SECs say that the SECs shall only or shall not apply where uh, the data importer is subject to GDPR. And uh, it also mentions those exemptions in Article 3.2 about uh, offering products and services to European data subjects and uh, monitoring the behavior of European data subjects. So one thinks now in this, and this is the commission decision, the European commission decision, one thinks that um, then, okay, SECs, it might make sense. They don't have to be used where the data importer also falls under GDPR because the data importer has to comply with the GDPR rules. On the other hand, you're thinking, well, that's a new interpretation of GDPR in Article 44. It says any transfer to a, a non-European country requires um, these additional measures like or guarantees like SECs. So there, there is clarity. Is this now no transfer? Is this a new interpretation of GDPR and we don't have a transfer uh, to a third country? Or does this only mean, yes, we do have a transfer, but we cannot use model clauses. We have to use other guarantees listed in Article 44 and following. So there is some confusion out here and interpretations go into all directions. The European Commission has inofficially announced to publish FAQs pretty soon, and we hope that there's some clarification coming. In the meantime, we do think that organizations can can take both ways. Either they use the model clauses, but then would be not in line with this recital, or they don't use model clauses, but then they have to think about at least adding additional measures to comply with like the general GDPR rules of you know processing personal data in compliance with GDPR. So this is a really tricky question, and we hope for clarification by the European Commission. I was still shocked when you said the timelines that I think no privacy lawyer will have a decent Christmas holiday in 2022 because <laughs> um, the model clauses have to be at the latest. The new ones have to be implemented by 27th of December 2022. So uh, that's going to be a sad Christmas. Cynthia, what, what, what else is new in the model classes? I think the other thing that's new is this requirement of warranty by both parties to warrant that they've conducted a data transfer assessment. And this is why it's so important that the European Data Protection Board issued its final recommendations. And that data transfer assessment, if you follow the, those recommendations, includes a six-step process. Step one being know your transfer, step two, verifying the transfer tool. And the transfer tool could be one of many. It could be the SECs, it could be binding corporate rules, it could be adequacy. And then you have to assess the law and practice of each of the importer countries, because of course the SECs, the new version allow for um, multiple parties to join them. And there's also that docking clause, which means new parties can join along the way. And so the assessing of the law and practice obviously is not just what it says on the books, but what really happens in practice. 
you know, given the type of data that's being transferred, will public authorities ask for access? What happens in relation to national surveillance? And then, of course, that brings on the direct question from that about what supplementary measures may need to be adopted. Now, the new SEC include some clauses in relation to, you know, notice for requests for access and obligation to try and challenge those requests. But there may be other supplementary measures, other contractual organizational or technical measures that need to be included. And then step five is where it's deemed necessary to consult the local supervisory authority. And step six is a regular review of the assessment. You know, the other thing, of course, is that derogations to the GDPR in Chapter 5, you know, remain an exception rather than the rule. And for the practical, you know, measures that can be looked at, there's lots of different sources, but the sources that are used have to be objective, reliable, verifiable, and publicly available. And so as a result of, of the recommendations, that newness of having to come to conduct an assessment means that just entering into the SECs for international transfers is a much heavier burden than they will have been in the past for organizations. But as I mentioned, the the supplemental measures are only just out 11 months after the SHRIMS 2 judgment and, you know, seven months after the draft recommendations by the, the European Data Protection Board. So, Andy, what else do companies need to be aware of in relation to the new SCCs? I mean, obviously, I mentioned there's two documents. So what's that other document? Well, the other document is just an intra-European data processing agreement, a C2P agreement for use within the European Union. So it's basically it's a template for the Article 28 um, GDPR agreement. And I mean, that's handy and helpful, but of course, there will be a lot of discussion and is already a lot of discussion about whether this is mandatory or whether it's only a suggestion. These clauses are only a suggestion. You can still hold on to your existing Article 28 agreements. But of course, it might now, we might see difficulties in negotiations because parties that are not happy with certain clauses in perhaps your draft, and they are more happy with the clauses in the in this SEC document, they might argue now with the SEC document that this is the new standard. So we're seeing a bit of complexity here with this new draft, but it's uh, definitely helpful to see the position there. But for your also practical life, you do not have to switch to these new SECs, Article 28, for your intra-European data transfers. And I suppose it's quite difficult because given the recital in relation to the international transfers, you don't know if you're a controller or processor directly subject to the GDPR, if you should be using this, or like you said, you should use a different transfer mechanism if you're outside because you can't use the international SECs. So there is definitely a, a bit of complexity. And, and some strategic thinking that needs to go into how to use these new documents. Definitely, yeah. And we'll see in practice, um, perhaps someone will develop a covers-all-situations template. <laughs> yes. 
Hey, Cynthia, I know you read all these documents and I know you oh. also read the older versions and perhaps not all of the listeners read all of them. What's like your, your you know, summary of the most important changes? We had the, the SECs and the uh, EDPB recommendations already last year in the draft and now the final version. What, what is your observation? What are the major changes between draft and final version? I'd probably say there are two big or what I would call key major changes. The first is, is that it's not just about the laws of the importer country. It's also about the practices. So there seems to be an acknowledgement that the practical experience of an importer is important. So, you know, have there been access requests for access that this particular importer has received? Is the sector in which they're working relevant or, targeted? And, you know, what about the particular types of data that might be transferred? Is that something that might be in scope for an access request from a, a public authority? So being able to ask the importer for their views on practice is important, but of course, it still comes with a caveat because it needs to still be corroborated, you know, by other kinds of objective evidence if possible. The other new thing I think which is helpful is that there is almost a definition of what is considered problematic legislation in a third country. So that problematic legislation is something that would impinge on a transfer tools guarantee of essentially equivalent protection to the GDPR and something that would not meet EU standards on fundamental rights, necessity, and proportionality. And obviously, the fundamental rights links directly back to the EU Charter of Fundamental Rights. The, the recommendations also recommend um, suspending transfers or implementing security, you know, supplementary measures where there is this problematic legislation But there is no risk threshold per se, which, again, I think is a good thing because it obviously the recommendations are, go hand in hand with that accountability principle under the GDPR and the self-regulatory model of the GDPR because it's up to exporters to determine what's appropriate in relation to implementing additional supplementary measures or having checks or so I, th I think it's a great that there's no kind of high, low, medium risk level. But yeah, the recommendations also clarify that data subjects are not exporters when they provide data directly to controllers established in third countries. So Andy, when you mentioned about the interpretation of the recital and then international transfers, it seems to me that the European Data Protection Board has sought to kind of clarify the interpretations. So Given the obligation on organizations to switch out the old SECs for new SECs and the additional obligation to conduct a data transfer assessment, what options do you think companies have, Andy? Well, they definitely have a, a couple of options. I mean, not doing anything is not an option, so everyone has to do something. Organizations can switch to other tools like BCRs. Uh, organizations can look into applicability of exemptions. You said they are to be interpreted narrowly. That's what the EDPB also said. My personal view is um, that there is some potential to also use them, but definitely in a narrow scope. 
And then organizations, if, if they don't use any of this, or um, they have to switch to the new model clauses by, as we said, end of um, 2022. And I think every organization will have to determine their best way to switch to the new SECs and probably find a way to automize from old SECs to new SECs. For example, Reed Smith has developed this um, data transfer tool that will help organizations to do the local country assessment and then uh, directly import the result and fill in the SEC. So that's definitely going to be a helpful way for organizations to cope with uh, the workload. I expect there's a lot of work coming up. Thank you, Andy. And thank you to our listeners for tuning into Tech Law Talks. We hope you tune in again soon and we look forward to hearing from you in relation to our automated data transfer assessment and draft SEC tool. Bye, everyone. Tech Law Talks is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Allie McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's tech and data practice, please email techlawtalks at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and reedsmith.com. And our social media accounts at Reedsmith LLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. All rights reserved.